part twenty three of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni this librivox recording is in the public domain part twenty three account of the taking the obelisk from the island of philo to alexandria part two immediately after my arrival there i prepared to depart for thebes and having satisfied the aga according to our promise i departed previous to my arrival there i quitted the boat as the wind was against us and went by land i took up my old residence at the tombs in biban el maluk there i found mrs belzoni who had returned from jerusalem as i had written to her that i could not go into syria it was then christmas and we passed the solemnity of that blessed day in the solitude of those recesses undisturbed by the folly of mankind and only a few inoffensive arabs who guarded the new tombs were there but it was not to last long so i must now enter into new contests with evil beings and in spite of all the study i made to avoid bringing before the public the foul deeds of malice i find that i cannot avoid inserting them in this volume the following circumstances have induced me to quit egypt and any one who will kindly read and attend to the catastrophe will agree with me in saying that it was high time to do so it happened at this period that a certain person whose name for compassion's sake i do not wish to mention but who was neither english nor french came into upper egypt not to see antiquities but to purchase some if he could he came from one of the capitals of europe and was to return he offered to do anything for me in europe if i wished he was on friendly terms and i believe sincere till the diabolical spirit of interest got into his breast and then he suffered himself to be led by it as i happened to know him before i took the opportunity of his return to that very place where i was in want of a person to transact some business for me the business was that as he was on his return to europe he would take four of the sphinxes or lion-headed statues which were allotted me for my share to the very metropolis where he was going and there make an offer as a present to a certain high personage in my name which he undertook to do with great pleasure and it was so arranged that i should give him an order on the british consul in alexandria to receive the aforesaid statues which were lodged in the charge of the british agent in rosetta it happened that at the same time this man became acquainted with the people of our opposite party and as he must come in in the following account i shall call him the stranger on the eve of christmas the boat with the obelisk on board arrived and stopped at luxor waiting for a few small articles to be loaded and then to proceed to rosetta it will be recollected that previous to our last departure for the cataract i entered into an arrangement with mr salt settling where i was to excavate on several spots among the ruins of karnak on st stephen's day i passed the nile to that place with the intention of examining the spots of ground which were allotted to our party according to the arrangement made by messrs salt and druetti at luxor i was mounted on a very high donkey the only mode of travelling short journeys in these countries as horses are scarce and it is too inconvenient to mount a camel for a small distance i was followed by my greek servant and two arabian drivers i was unarmed my servant had two pistols as usual 
our opponents with their commander mr Drouetti, were lodged in some mud houses among the ruins of karnak the boat with the obelisk which i had just brought down and put up at luxor was rather too close under their noses as they expressed themselves and it irritated them to such a degree that they premeditated the mode of revenge by as they said only abusing and insulting belzoni but this could not have been done without some danger of retaliation and perhaps with interest equivalent to the merit of the operation the only way this was to be done was by taking the advantage of a pretext and by raising some differences against me in some way or other the plan was well laid the first piece of ground i had to examine among these ruins was occupied by the labourers of mr Duetti consequently it was expected that i should take notice of it that some altercation would ensue and then would be the time to satiate their revenge previous to my arrival at the above ground i was warned by an arab not to go where the other europeans were but i took no notice of what he said as sometimes those people make much out of nothing i continued my route till i arrived on the above ground and the first thing i saw was a number of men working on a spot too well known to be of our lot according to the arrangement i then perceived what these gentlemen wanted so i took no notice and actually passed on without stopping to look at them none of the europeans were there and my servant observing to me that the ground was of our share i told him not to meddle himself about it and we passed on the above working ground was close to the small lakes and these gentlemen were living in the window of the great propylion which is at least a good quarter of a mile distant from the above ground we passed quietly before them and continued on our way straight to the north side of the ruins as far as their extremity another quarter of a mile from where they were i remained some time there in examining some grounds and on my return towards the great propylion where we had to pass on our return to luxor we met an arab running towards us crying from having received a severe beating from our opponents merely because he served and was faithful to us as far as an arab can be this would have been another motive to create some altercation but it had no effect i took no notice of it and was going on straight to luxor i was at about three hundred yards from the great propylion when i saw a group of people running towards us they were about thirty arabs headed by two europeans agents of mr Duetti. on their approaching mr lebulo was first and the renegado rosignano second both piedmontese and countrymen of mr Duetti lebulo began his address to me by asking what business i had to take away an obelisk that did not belong to me and that i had done so many things of this kind to him that i should not do any more meanwhile he seized the bridle of my donkey with one hand and with the other he laid hold of my waistcoat and stopped me from proceeding any farther he had also a large stick hung to his wrist by a string by this time my servant was assailed by a number of arabs two of whom were constantly in the service of mr Duetti. at the same moment the renegado rosignano reached within four yards of me and with all the rage of a ruffian levelled a double-barrelled gun at my breast loading me with all the imprecations that a villain could invent by this time my servant was disarmed and overpowered by numbers and in spite of his efforts took his pistols from his belt 
the two gallant knights before me i mean lebulo and rosignano escorted by the two other arab servants of mr duetti both armed with pistols and many others armed with sticks continued their clamorous imprecations against me and the brave rosignano still keeping the gun pointed at my breast said that it was time that i should pay for all i had done to them the courageous abilo said with all the emphasis of an enraged man that he was to have one-third of the profit derived from the selling of that obelisk when in europe according to a promise from mr duetti had i not stolen it from the island of philo my situation was not pleasant surrounded by a band of ruffians like those and i have no doubt that if i had attempted to dismount the cowards would have dispatched me on the ground and said that they did it in defence of their lives as i had been the aggressor i thought the best way was to keep on my donkey and look at the villains with contempt Lebulo said that another of their party had been drowned at girgay on board of an english boat and that they had no redress for it meaning i suppose the poor man that fell overboard at girgay on his passage to cairo i told Lebulo to let me proceed on my way and that if i had done anything wrong i should be ready to account for it but all was to no purpose their rage had blinded them out of their senses while this was going on i observed another band of arabs running towards us when they came nearer i saw mr duetti himself among them and close to him a servant of his armed with pistols on his arrival before me mr duetti demanded in a tone not inferior to that of his disciples what reason or authority i had to stop his people from working i told him that i knew nothing of what he meant and that i found myself extremely ill-used by his own people and that he must answer for their conduct in an authoritative tone he desired i should dismount which i refused to do at this moment a pistol was fired behind me but i could not tell by whom i was determined to bear much sooner than come to blows with such people who did not blush to assail me all in a mass but when i heard the pistol fired behind my back i thought it was high time to sell my life as dear as i could i dismounted but then the kind mr duetti assured me that i was not in danger while he was there and mr lebulo who had before acted the part of a ruffian now contrived to play that of a neutral gentleman by this time many other arabs of the village of karnak had reached this place and seeing me thus surrounded would any one suppose it for the honour of christendom and civilization those wild arabs as we call them were disgusted at the conduct of europeans and interfered in my behalf they surrounded the renegado rosignano whose conduct they thought most outrageous and base not for a european but even for the worst of arabs what ideas must have been formed in the minds of those people of the civilization of europe by the conduct of such villains i was now informed that an european stranger was in the place of residence of mr duetti i sent an arab to beg he would come where we were as i thought i might have a witness to what might afterwards take place though the affray was almost over mr duetti who was now very mild said that he never had given any order to his people to work on any grounds belonging to us that i should have made application to him and he would have put them right but that i should not stop the people from their work 
i repeated that i did not know what he meant and that all this was a combination of traps put together by his agents he said that an arab came to his lodging and informed him that i ordered the people away from their work i persisted that the arab should be brought before me but he was not to be found he was called everywhere but did not answer one of the two arabs from gournou who followed me as a driver recognized the said arab who all this time was close to mr drouetti who had called to him in vain and who though he had seen him a few minutes before did not recognize him again being before me i stared in the man's face and ordered him to repeat what he had said of me to mr drouetti he replied that he did not say to mr drouetti that i stopped the men from working but that my servant did though i was totally confident of the contrary as he was not two yards from me when we passed that way it was useless for me to contest that point as i saw it was brought forward merely to cover the true cause for which they attacked me which was shown by their first words to me about the obelisk i insisted that mr drouetti should come where the men were at work that i might point out to him that his people were the aggressors by encroaching on our lot of ground of which he was forcibly convinced as we went on the assailant rossignano continued at a distance behind me the stranger arrived where i was and proved to be the person alluded to before by whom i had to send the four statues to europe on his arrival i informed him of what had passed but mr drouetti told him that we had only had a few words and that was all the stranger observed to him that he saw those people take up arms while he was in their house or habitation and run out and remembered mr drouetti himself said he must run after them for fear they should do some mischief and that they did wrong to act so to which mr drouetti replied that he could not help what these people did to which observation the stranger replied that he should not keep them in his service mr drouetti made a long lamentation on the taking away the obelisk i reminded him that he must have known it was taken possession of long before any of his agents reached the island of philo and that he did wrong to send his agents to that place to prevent my taking it after he knew we had set off for that purpose he said this was owing to mr banks not calling on him previous to his departure for that place and conversing with him on the subject the fact is that mr banks did not think proper to put himself under any unnecessary obligation to mr drouetti i then informed mr drouetti that i had resisted many and various sorts of attacks by his agents but i did not expect they would come to such a pitch and that it was high time for me to quit the country so i returned to biban el malouk and immediately commenced my preparations to depart for europe as i could not live any longer in a country where i had become the object of revenge of a set of people who could take the basest means to accomplish their purpose and notwithstanding the advantages i might have derived in the continuation of my researches the conditions of which with the consul were now more advantageous to me than any i had hitherto obtained i was so totally disgusted that i took the above resolution accordingly 
i had written the particulars of what had happened to the consul adding that by the time he received my letter i should be on my way to alexandria as i was determined to proceed to europe by the first opportunity as to my redress i did not ask for it as i could not expect to have any in that country and as the boat with the obelisk was not set off i availed myself of the opportunity of descending the nile on it having finished all the modelled drawings etc of the tombs and put on board all that i had accumulated on my own account i began the operation of taking the sarcophagus out of the tombs i must lament the unfortunate fate of some of the figures within this place it will be recollected as i mentioned before that the entrance into the tombs was situated under a small torrent of water which when it happened to rain runs over into the valley i was then making a canal to turn the course of the water that it might not run into the tomb in case of rain but on the arrival of the consul all was put an end to the consequence was that while i was absent up the nile it happened to rain the water finding the entrance open ran into the tomb and though not much was enough to occasion some damage to some of the figures the dryness of the calcareous stone which is more like lime itself than raw stone absorbed the dampness and consequently cracked in many places particularly in the angles of the pillars on the doorways and so forth and in one of the rooms there was a piece of stone detached containing the upper part of three figures and in another chamber was a figure which fortunately fell without much injury though broken in three pieces i saved it from farther destruction i was not a little vexed to see such a thing happen the damage done at that time was inconsiderable in a place of such an extent but i fear that in the course of a few years it will become much worse and i am persuaded that the damp in the rainy days has caused as much damage in the tombs as has been occasioned in any other way it is worthy of observation that the atmosphere must be much changed since the time of herodotus when he mentions a circumstance of some rain having fallen in thebes as an extraordinary case or a phenomenon for at present it rains in thebes every year i do not mean to say that it rains in a manner similar to what we are accustomed to in europe but enough to say it does rain for instance two or three days in the winter and in these two or three days perhaps only half an hour at a time it appears also that at moments the water drops are pretty large and wet the traveller who not being prepared feels it strange to be thus served but the great body of water as i mentioned before comes from the desert through the valleys into the nile it is curious also to remark the great difference in the climates only in the short distance of little more than two hundred miles to the south of thebes where it very seldom rains indeed some years pass without any and it is owing to this circumstance with the combination of this place being under the tropic of cancer that it may be calculated to be the driest and hottest spot on earth i mean that tract of land which extends from the first to the second cataract of the nile named lower nubia it includes the tropic of cancer consequently these countries receive greater heat from the sun than any other on this side of the equinoctial line as it passes vertically over it twice in the course of a few days at the time of the solstice 
this circumstance united with the phenomenon that it never rains for it never can be said to do so unless a few drops perhaps in the course of five years or more can be reckoned as rain cause the rocks to be so perpetually hot that the heat rises in higher degree than any other part on earth it will be recollected as i mentioned before that in the beginning of june in the island of philo we had the thermometer at a hundred and twenty four degrees of fahrenheit in the shade but it is to be observed that the thermometer did not show us to what degree the heat arose as it only marked a hundred and twenty four degrees consequently the mercury might mount higher if the glass had permitted but now to our departure from thebes having put all things in readiness and all the models of the tombs being embarked i took out the celebrated sarcophagus which gave me something to do in consequence of its being so very slender and thin lest it might break at the smallest touch of anything however it was safely got out of the tomb and put in a strong case the valley it had to pass to reach the nile is rather uneven for more than two miles and one mile of good soft sand and small pebbles i had it conveyed on rollers all the way and safely put on board by this time mr wright and mr fisher arrived in thebes on their return from nubia i had the pleasure to walk over the remains of old thebes with these gentlemen and i must confess that i felt no small degree of sorrow to quit a place which was become so familiar to me and where in no other part of the world i could find so many objects of inquiry so congenial to my inclination i must say that i felt more in leaving thebes than any other place in my life it was on the twenty seventh of january eighteen nineteen when we left these truly magnificent ruins and we arrived in cairo on the eighteenth of february after passing benizoff we saw a small boat and by its appearance concluded there must be some europeans in it they called to us as they too saw we were europeans we went to shore it was mr fuller who ascended the nile a gentleman of most excellent good manners and whom i had the pleasure to know after in cairo he was accompanied by a person who ascended the nile to distribute the arabic bibles for the society it was pity that he was not well informed of some particular places in egypt and in the province of Fanum, where many christian copts are residing and would have been happy to have had a bible amongst them in the above boat i saw a person of a strange appearance which caused my inquiring who he was i was agreeably surprised when i found him to be mr pierce who resided in abyssinia for several years and was left there by lord valentia now the earl of montnorris our acquaintance was soon made but i was sorry i should have met him on such an occasion as we could be together but so short a time to the inquiries i wished to make of him concerning those countries he answered in a manner that convinced me he was an enterprising man much accustomed to fatigue the life and hardships he underwent in abyssinia would be most interesting to the public at cairo we only stopped a few days and continued our journey to rosetta there we landed the various pieces of antiquity the obelisk the sarcophagus found in one of the king's tombs and the cover of another sarcophagus which is the best piece i accumulated on my own account 
it had been thrown from its sarcophagus when it was forced open and being reversed it remained buried by the stones and unnoticed by any visitor i cleared off all the stones and on examination of the under part found that it was a fine figure larger than life in alto relievo and except the foot all the rest was quite perfect on turning the stone i found that besides the said figure which is in the centre of the cover there were two others at each side in basso relievo and also excepting the feet are quite perfect its preservation is owing to its being reversed having re-embarked all those articles again on board of a jam we came to alexandria with a firm intention to set off with the first opportunity for though i felt much regret in quitting the very country in which i wished to remain undisturbed a little longer yet under the circumstance of such a persecution i could not help hastening my departure but the time was not yet arrived at alexandria i found letters from the consul and from mr banks in answer to mine from baban el malouk the letters had been sent by an arab as far as cairo and from thence to alexandria the consul advised me to stop till i could receive a certain answer from england and to have redress of the outrageous behaviour of those gentry this was the last thing that i could wish for for i knew enough of the country to know how that affair would end i knew the influence of their master who i was certain would do all in his power to prevent any justice being done so i did not find my inclination to remain particularly as it happened to be the time of the plague but mr lee the vice-consul in alexandria acquainted me that he had already made a deposition of the deeds in thebes and presented to the french consul mr roussel i was glad to see that my cause had been taken up but i was in very little hopes to have any redress as no such a thing ever happened in those countries in particular against such people mr drouetti who was by this time in alexandria took to himself the defence of his agents and made a protest against mr salt the british consul who he said was his accuser and it was agreed that the matter should be left alone till mr salt's return from upper egypt so my departure was postponed till that period at this time i had the pleasure of becoming more acquainted with mr briggs a gentleman who was on the eve of setting off for europe he was the person who suggested to the bashaw of egypt to cut the canal from fua to alexandria to facilitate the exportation of the products of the country on board of the european vessels in the harbours which sometimes were obliged to wait six months for their cargoes owing to the difficulty of passing the bogazo or bar that crosses the mouth of the river and often kept the gems loaded for three months without effecting the passage this cut is forty miles in length and cost above three hundred thousand pounds to finish it but it is a great accommodation in the exportation and of course useful to the commerce of egypt in general before this time the stranger to whom i have before alluded had arrived in alexandria and was quite changed in his conduct as a witness he had already signed his name to a deposition written by le Bulo himself which of course was not against the party and when he was called to give evidence had forgotten that he saw those people take up arms and run towards the spot where i was 
whatever points or words i could clearly put in remembrance and repeat to him he had forgotten all and did not scruple to say before the consul mr lee that if i had been the first to apply to him or to make my own deposition he would have signed his name for me as he did for the other people now having proved him contradictory to his deposition he came into the office of the consul and with the greatest indifference actually made a deposition to contradict what he had asserted in favour of the assailants he had stated previously that he was present at the dispute or altercation as the gentlemen of our opponent's party would have it called but he now said that he only heard by mr duetti and his agents that an altercation of words had taken place such were the preparations for this defence and now to end the affair with the stranger no sooner did he communicate to my opponents the intention i had to make an offer of the four statues above mentioned as a present to a certain court of europe than they immediately entered into a league with each other and everything was carried on in great secrecy some statues of their own were put on board a vessel for europe and a collection of antiquities was made up to be offered for sale to the above court and this was to be done previous to my offer being made and when i thought my statues were to be embarked and conveyed to europe to be presented as above i found that the stranger had set off with what he had procured from my opponents leaving me and my statues to learn how to know him better i do not mean to blame any one for endeavouring to do anything to their advantage so that it is done in an honourable manner but i cannot help observing that whatever speculation he could have made with what he has brought into europe for our opponents was obtained by a very wrong proceeding seeing that some time would elapse before the consul returned i did not know how to employ myself in the interval i thought of making some researches in lower egypt but i doubted not i should encounter some difficulty there also as the fountain-head of our opponent was not far off but idle i could not stay for a long time i had a wish to make a small excursion into the western desert i had observed that the temple of jupiter ammon had been an object of search for a long time and by more than one traveller but that the true spot where it existed had not been fixed i considered that the fayum was a province as yet little explored and that i might make an excursion in it perhaps undisturbed and from thence proceed to the western desert i should have no difficulty in obtaining a firman but as i could not have it without letting every one know where i was going i preferred to go without as i hoped to make my way in some manner or other an english merchant who resided in alexandria lent me a small house in rosetta near the british agency where i left mrs belzoni accordingly i took a small boat and set off for the fayum end of part twenty three